You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit harvestyorkregion.ca. Well, good morning. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 6 this morning. I'm going to dive back into the series, Five Distinctives of an Authentic Follower. Five Distinctives of an Authentic Follower. The uh, first three we already looked at before the Easter break, and now we're back in for the last two, but... Five distinctives. A distinctive is what makes us different, authentic, an undisputed original, not a fake. For many of the ladies in the room, I hold up this box, and the very color of it would tell you something. You'd go, that's from Tiffany and Company. Men, it tells you it costs too much. Um, Basically, that's the way we would view that, but that's what it says. It's from Tiffany and Company. They make all kinds of jewelry and uh, that kind of stuff. A number of years ago, Sue bought some glasses that were actually uh, from Tiffany and Company. And uh, neat, neat little box it came in, which apparently I paid for. And then you open it up, and the glasses come in a nice case that comes in another little bag that apparently I paid for or she paid for and then the beautiful glasses inside and a cute little Tiffany colored cloth to clean all your glasses and and then in the bottom there is a certificate of authenticity to prove that it really is a Tiffany. Um, What is there about us that demonstrates our authenticity in Jesus Christ. Uh, We started this series by looking at um, one of the G's. The first G was that we are people who glorify. Our job, our responsibility, our passion in life is to be people who bring glory to God. And um, as we were thinking about that, we uh, we realized the uh, Westminster Catechism, the shorter Westminster Catechism, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever right? Um, uh, James MacDonald in his book um, said this in the Vertical Church book. He talked about transcendence. He talked about God being more, far more. Um, When we think about transcendence, it's the action or fact of transcending, surmounting, or rising above, the attribute of being above and independent of the universe. And so we try and understand who God is in light of what he's done for us and his attributes and the omnipresent, the omniscient, all of those things he's done. uh, But we can't begin to understand because God transcends all of those things. He is transcendent. He is far above And so the first message was all about God and his glory. Then we took a look at about um, the second G we looked at was that we are people who are growing. The third G we looked at is we are people who are living out grace in our lives, loving people, but loving them with the truth. And today we come to the topic of generosity, that we would be generous people for the glory of God. And so our text is found in Matthew chapter 6. I trust you have your Bibles open. Let's stand. We want to honor God as we read his word. And I'm going to start in verse 19 of Matthew chapter 6. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, There your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve 
two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege to be together with your people today in this place, to lift high the name of Jesus Christ in worship. And now, God, to open your word and consider generosity. What have you called us to, Lord? What's the expectation for followers of Jesus Christ that we would be generous people? Lord, would you give us some ears that we would hear your word today? But more than that, Lord, minds that we might grasp it and understand it. And even more than that, Lord, that we would be passionate about living out the truths of what we learn today for your fame and for your glory. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you. You can take your seats. I want to dive right into the text for the first part of this message. It'll be a little bit more topical again today. We want to uh, learn some things that God will teach us, some principles for us, but we want to kind of take it out of this text and um, what's the foundation for what we're learning. And so we find it in the context in starting in verse 19. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. If you were to read this more literally like it come right out of the Greek, it would go like this. Do not treasure for yourself treasures on earth. Do not treasure for yourself treasures on earth. And so here's the question for us today. What do we treasure? What are we going after? What are the things that are the most important things for us? Do not treasure for yourself treasures on earth. I struggle with that. I struggle with the things that I think are mine, the things I think I've earned, the things I think I've bought. The, I treasure some of those things. And sometimes it's not in a good way. And he says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Now, the bottom line is everything we have on this earth is going away. There's no U-Haul trailers following a hearse, right? You don't take it with you. When you die, they put you in a box, they put you in a ground, and none of that stuff goes with us. So why do we treasure it so much? Don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth where the, wrath, where the, the moth and the rust destroy it and where the thieves break in and they steal it. In 1992, they did a study in the States, and they asked people, how much would it take for you to have the American dream? How much would it take? So they asked people who are making $25,000 a year and less, this is 1992, um, and those people said it would take $52,000. If I had $52,000, that would be enough. Then I would be happy. So then they asked the people who were making $100,000 in 1992, what did they need? And they said, $192,000. If I had $192,000, I would have enough. Basically, everybody was saying, if I had twice as much as I have right now, then I would be satisfied. If I had twice what I have right now, then I would have enough. If I have just a little bit more, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. In 1 Timothy 6, 6, it says, But godliness with contentment 
is great gain. A godliness with contentment is great gain. If you get your relationship with God right and are satisfied in what he's doing in your life because he's doing it, that is great gain. Don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth. In verse 20 it says, But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. The heavenly treasure outlasts. It's incorruptible. Uh, The neat thing is the heavenly treasures which we invest today, uh, we do get pleasure out of them. We do get enjoyment out of them. But we understand it's not about today. It's about something that is far greater. Verse 21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, There will your heart be also. The phrase that I learned as I was growing up was, you show me your checkbook, and I'll show you what you believe about God. You show me your checkbook, and I'll show you what I believe about God. The problem with that today is nobody has a checkbook anymore. The people under 40 go, what's a checkbook, right? So, okay, you show me your financials. You show me your monthly online statement. You show me where your money's going, and I will be able to show you what you think about God. Because where your treasure is going, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So think about that in the context of of your life and the things that you value and the priorities that they make in your life and how do they interact with who God is and what he's doing in your life because what you treasure speaks directly to what you think about God. What you treasure says how much you value God in your life. The most generous thing that was ever done in the world was God giving his son. The most generous gift that was ever made, the most generous offer that was ever put out there for man, the greatest form of generosity was God giving us what we didn't deserve in Jesus Christ. He poured out for us lavishly. And many of you in this room have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. And it's like, Lord, that's what you've done for me. We, we remembered it on Good Friday. We thought about the death of Christ. We remembered it on Easter weekend as we talked about the resurrection, the receipt of all that God did for us. All of that, all of that generosity just poured out on us. What do you treasure? Do you treasure that? Or do you treasure your stuff? Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. If you're here today and you've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, the greatest act of generosity, as I said, was the gift of the Son. The one who paid a price so you could have eternal life by grace alone in Christ alone. Last night, a lady and a man came up after the service, stood right there, were talking with Sue and I, and um, in the afternoon, she had gone to her husband and talked about something that had been going on in their lives that um, had to do with what spending and all the rest of it, and, and she went to her husband in the afternoon and confessed some things to him about what was important and what was, she confessed that it was wrong, and uh, it was just neat for Sue and I to stand right here with them and 
to pray with them and to offer some help and some encouragement. And it was just so cool to be here and to pray. And after I said amen to the prayer, she said, I'm not sure I'm saved. Presented the gospel to her and she received the Lord Jesus Christ as her savior last night. She received the most generous gift that's ever been given. She trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as her savior. The other thing's gonna take some work and we're gonna help them and work with them and they're pretty new around here and all of those things. And, but she understood the generosity of God's love in Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, that gift is available for you. When we talk about generosity in this message and what we do with it, we take all of that and it hangs on the truth of who Jesus Christ is and what he has done for us. If you've never trusted Christ, you can do that today. But follower of Jesus Christ, God has done all of that for us. And do you treasure that? Do you treasure that or do you treasure your investments? Your paycheck, your house, your car, your toys. And if you are really honest, those things get bent out of shape because they become the priority for you and your treasure, you find it so often, is in the wrong place. Well, some things about generosity we want to see today. Understanding this is the foundation. Here's the first thing. Generosity is a matter of surrender. Generosity is a matter of surrender. Generosity begins with the right vertical relationship. You will never truly be a generous person if you are holding on to your things. It's a matter of surrendering. What compels us? A generosity is an act of worship. As we give, as we are generous with people, it needs to start with the understanding of who Jesus Christ is and what he has done for us. And so we give lavishly, we give generously to the Lord. Newsflash, it's all God's anyways. All of it. You don't own anything. You're a manager. You're a steward God is the king on the throne. You are the servant. It's all God's. And we're called to be people who surrender because it all belongs to him. First Chronicles 29, 11, and 12 say, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. In the Minor Prophet Haggai 2.8, it says, The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. Psalm 24.1, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all who dwell within. Psalm 50.10 and 11, For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills, and all that moves in the field is mine. Children of God, we need to learn in generosity, we start with a surrender of understanding. It's all God's. It all starts with a right vertical relationship to him. Verse 24, 
Matthew 6, no one can serve two masters for either hate the one and love the other or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. Ready? He says, you cannot serve God and money. I would have thought he would have said, you cannot serve God and the devil. Like, let's go to the extremes, right? But that's not what he said. He was bringing it right down to what they would understand. You cannot serve God and your stuff. The word money is actually more narrow than it really is in the Greek. It's really about everything you have. You cannot serve God and your stuff. And so I've got to come to the place of understanding it's all God's. It's all God's. I'm a manager of it. I'm a steward of it. God is on the throne. I am the servant. Lord, help me to understand. It so flies in the face of everything we hear in our society because it's like, well, I got the ownership paper for that. I've got the, I've got the, I've got the, I've got the. You've got them because God's allowed you to have them. It's all his. It all belongs to him. How do we surrender? Teach me, God, to surrender. You know that Bible verse, money is the root of all evil? That's not a Bible verse. We've been told it's a Bible verse. It's not a Bible verse. Here's what the Bible verse says. 1 Timothy 6.10. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. The love of stuff is a root of all kinds of evil. When we get our eyes off of who owns it all, it causes all kinds of pain for us because we start taking hold of it and we think it's ours. And generosity starts with a matter of surrender. Everything I have is the Lord's. I'm a manager. I'm a steward of what God has entrusted to me. Here's the second thing. Generosity is a matter of your heart. This is the inward part. The first one is the vertical part. This is the inward. It's the motivation of laying up treasures. Um, You know, Jesus said more about the topic of money than about heaven and hell combined. More words in the New Testament about money than about heaven and hell combined. Why? Because these things that we have, they, they so overwhelm us and they so take hold of us and He gave more warnings and truth about this than even about heaven and hell. It's an important subject. Until God gets hold of your wallet, he doesn't have your heart. At least that's the way you demonstrate he has your heart because he has hold of your your wallet, your stuff, your things. It's a matter of my heart. In 1 Corinthians 4, 2, it says, Moreover, it's required of stewards that they be found faithful. Everything that we have, God's calling to us to be found faithful. Here's a second verse, uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Generosity starts with a right surrender of ourselves and it starts with a right heart for all that God has had and how are we going to use that internal decision. And then the third thing is generosity is a matter of obedience. 
Generosity is a matter of obedience. This is the horizontal part that works out to the needs that we see around us. It's the fulfilling of the laying up for yourself treasures on earth. How does the stuff I have, how does what God has blessed me with, how is that being used to further the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ? 1 John 3, 17 says, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Great question. You see needs around you and you ignore them? How is God's love demonstrated in you? In James chapter 1, verse 27, it says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit the orphans and the widows and their afflictions and to keep oneself unstained from the world. It's to meet the needs of those who are around us. He goes on in, in chapter 2 and um, verses 15 to 17, he says, If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled. The voice was for emphasis. Okay. Go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for their body. What good is that? What good is that? So when somebody comes and they have a need and you can meet the need and you're on the I'll pray for you brother plan, what good is that? Let's be generous with what God has given. How can we be used to meet the needs of the people who are around us, the, the needs of the people in your small group, the needs of the people in our church, the, the needs of the people who are in your neighborhood? How can God use it? It's not ours anyways. It all belongs to him. How am I managing it? How am I stewarding it? How is it being used for God and for his glory? Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. I was at a conference a number of years ago, and the uh, guy who was teaching in the whole area of stewardship um, gave us an outline of um, three T's uh, that can help us to remember. Now, don't turn your page over in your notes because there's some more T's coming there, okay? I confused the people last night. Don't want to do that today. Everything we have needs to be considered under these three words. Everything that God has entrusted to it, here's the first thing, it's a tool. Everything that God has entrusted to you is a tool. It all belongs to the Lord. It's a tool to be used for his glory. Everything. It's a tool. Here's the next thing. Everything we have is a test. Everything you have is a test. It's a test of your faithfulness and dependence on God. It's a test to see who you love and who you are loyal to. Everything I have is a tool to be used for God's glory. Everything I have is a test to demonstrate that what I have is not my own. It's the Lord's. It's to be used for his fame. And here's the third T. Everything we have is a trademark. Everything we have is a trademark. You know, if I brought the swoosh thing up, you'd know that was Nike and held the Coke can up the other day. You knew what that was exactly when we brought that out. The Toronto Maple Leaf logo, may they rest in peace. You, you see that? The, the trademark that's there for that team and it's all there right because it all represents something everything you have is a trademark of what you believe about the Lord Jesus Christ when people look at us what do they see do they see us people holding on and 
grudgingly moving forward? Do they see, or do they see us as people lavishly caring and loving and spurring each other on to love and good deeds as we talked about last week? Generosity is a matter of obedience because everything you have is a tool. Everything you have is a test. Everything you have is a trademark of who Jesus Christ is in you. Well, what does it look like today? What would generosity look like in the followers of Jesus Christ in 2015? I want to get really practical, and as we do that, I want to I give you a few verses out of Proverbs. You can write these references down, and you can consider them as you consider the implications of this message. But here's the first one. In Proverbs 11, 24 and 25, it says, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. Over in uh, chapter 22 and verse 9, it says, Whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed, for he shares his bread with the poor. And over in verse 28, verse 22, it says, A stingy man hastens after wealth and does not know that poverty will come upon him. And verse 27, whoever gives to the poor will not want, but he who hides his eye will get many a curse. And we're going to look at four words in just a minute and and consider what does generosity for the follower of Jesus Christ look like. And, um, And the world does some of these things. They do some things like this. But when the world thinks of generosity, often it goes beyond those four things and and gets into some different kinds of motivation. I'm I'm going to be uh, motivated to be generous because if I do, there'll be acknowledgement of what I do. And so I do my thing so that my name goes on the plaque or I do what I do so I can stand up in the picture with my name on the check that I gave this money for this thing. And and so generosity can become very selfish and very self-centered and we're not talking about that. We're talking about the things that would motivate us to be generous and how can we be generous as followers of Jesus Christ? Some people are generous because they're hoping it will get them close to God. If, if I just help the poor, if I just do this, if I just do that, God will look down and smile on me one day for what I did. Hey, all of the good works in the world don't save anybody. The finished work of Jesus Christ, his generosity is what saves us. And, and so don't be generous out of a sense of, well, won't God think I'm something? It's all his anyways. It's not even yours to start with. It's all his. And so being generous doesn't get you into a relationship with God. Generosity, being generous, is who we are because of who God is and what he has done for us. And here's four ways I believe we can do that. First of all, be generous with your time. Be generous with your time. Not wasting it, prioritizing it, redeeming it. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16 says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time. All of it belongs to the Lord. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Church, guard carefully where you spend your time. What is sucking up so many hours of your life? 
And where does generosity towards the Lord and faithfulness to him fit into to that picture? Teresa was talking with a, a family in our church. Teresa's our uh, Harvest Kids director, and uh, they were looking for a place to serve at Harvest. Time. So this was the email she sent to this lady. Her name is Teresa, and uh, her husband's name is Kelvin. Um, hi, uh, excuse me, her name is Anna. Her husband's name is Kelvin. Um, hi, Anna. Wow, what a long day you have. I'll be praying for God to open a door for you for a small group. Go, Teresa, getting people in small groups. He is able. Thank you for agreeing to serve on Saturday nights. We have so many children attending that um, at that time now that we definitely need you there. I'm working on the schedule today, so I'll confirm with you tomorrow when you'll start serving. Looking forward to serving the Lord alongside of you. That's what Teresa wrote. Didn't help her with that. She did that all by herself. Thank you, Lord, for her. Here was um, Anna's response. Hi, Teresa. Thank you, my sister in Christ. I truly appreciate the warm welcome you have shared with me and my family. Thank you for your prayers. While you're praying for us, please also include Phoebe, it's her child, Phoebe's health. As I may have mentioned to you, she has diagnosed at birth and has a long-term genetic blood disorder that requires for chronic blood transfusion treatment every month at sick kids ever since she was only three months old. She also receives needles at home five nights per week, nine hours each night for iron therapy to avoid, to avoid iron overload. But we know God is working in his great plans even when we don't understand sometimes. Phoebe knows God's love for her more than mommy and daddy or anyone else can. And God has been doing wonderful things in our lives, especially Phoebe. As we've been learning, God remains faithful even when we are faithless. So thank you again so much. Sincerely, Anna. If anybody should get a pass on I don't have enough time, it's this family. And yet we're like, we're so busy. We're so busy. I don't have time. Thankfully, um, and I just saw another email the other day, they're looking to change the way that they are able to um, do that treatment and maybe be able to do it actually through a, a medication, through a, through a pill, and it's going to take away a lot of those shots and everything. But uh, they were in. They were committed. We're going to give up. We're going to make the sacrifice. We want to serve, and we're going to give up our time. Sitting in my office when I first read that, I thought, shame on me for some of my thoughts about how busy I think I am sometimes. And God help us. It's all his. Every hour of the week. Every hour is his. How are we using it for his honor and for his glory? Generous with your time. Generous with your talents. The abilities that God has given you. Um, some of that might be in giftedness that God has given to every believer. Every believer has a gift that's to be used in serving in the church. But, but even the talents that you have, uh, some of you have the, the abilities to do things. They just blow me away what God has enabled you to do. And how are we using the talents God has given to us for his glory? How are we using them to further his kingdom? How are we using them to demonstrate generosity in our world what are we stepping up to with the gifts and the talents that we have? How could the thing that God has enabled you to do be used here in this church to catapult us forward? There's needs all over the church. As God grows the church, the needs don't get less. The, the needs get greater. Um, did you know that um, 
Uh, during the uh, 9 o'clock service today, there was a whole group of people that were praying in the boardroom for the 9 o'clock service. Right now, there are some people who are meeting in a boardroom who are praying for this service. We believe firmly in the power of prayer. Are you a prayer? If not, you could be, you should be, you can be. Oh, why don't you join one of those groups? Do you understand how powerful it is to know and to understand that while we're here and while God is working, that people are praying, God is answering their prayers? Now, that lady that showed up last night, that was no fluke that she showed up at church. People have been praying that God would do things in our church. The only way we could explain it is God is doing it. She walked into a church after confessing something to her husband that was about the message she was about to hear, didn't have a clue it was coming, and walked out of the church forgiven by her husband, more importantly, forgiven by the Lord. Why? Because people are praying and God is working. But I don't have time to pray. Really? We need people who will pray. Dave will be at the front at the end of the service. You can come and you can go, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. You're like, well, that's not the only time we need to pray. You're right. But that's a great time to pray. Um, Serving in Harvest Kids. You have to understand God does stuff in ways I don't understand around this church. That insert that was going in this week that's in your bulletin about signing up to serve and harvest kids, that was not planned six months ago when this message was planned. That's the timing of God on things. Where Are you serving? Are you giving out of what God has given you in talents and in time to serve in the church? Generous with your time. Generous with your talents. You ready? Generous with your treasures. Generous with your treasures. This is not just about money. It's about all of the things that God has given to us. But I'm going to use money as the illustration. How do I know I love money and things more than I should? How do I know that I love money and things more than I should? Here's uh, five things to consider. Here's number one. You're spending more than you're taking in. If you're spending more than you're taking in, you have a wrong view of treasures. You're going after things that shouldn't be yours, and you're going after them in a way that doesn't honor the Lord. And so ask yourself the question, why? Why are we spending more than we're taking in? Am I coveting? Is there a self-control issue here? Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. How do I know if I love money and things more than I should? Here's another one. You have pangs of guilt about where your money or your stuff comes from. Deals made, corners cut, integrity in question. I know I love money more than I should if I have pangs of guilt about where my stuff or my money has come from. Here's one. I know I have a love of money or things that more than I should if... I want what I want more than I want what I know God wants. I know this is what God wants me to do. But I'm going to hold on to it because somehow I think it's mine. And I'm not going to give him what he deserves. Here's a real practical one since you're in church. I know I have a love of money or things that I shouldn't have if it bothers me when the offering plate goes by. The offering plate goes by and once again, there it goes. And it's just like, uh, Can't they just put a box at the back like they do at some other churches? Couldn't they just do that so that I didn't have to be reminded every week that I'm more about my stuff than I am about what God has given to me? 
Here's the last one I would say. You have a wrong view of money and things when you think about the minimums instead of the maximum when it comes to what you should surrender and what you should give. That's not just about money. That's about talent and time. It's about your stuff. But hey, if you're one of those people who is on the, how little can I give? That's not a good place to be. It's not yours to start with. And start, instead of starting with minimums, let's start with maximums. Let's start with, okay, it's all God's. See, somehow we got this idea that 10% of it belongs to God and the rest of it is ours. That's bad teaching. It's not from the Lord. It's not, you saw the scriptures. It's, it's all the Lord's. There were requirements in the Old Testament. And, and hey, people say, well, the tithe in the, in the, is an Old Testament principle. I'm even willing to accept that. Tithe is an Old Testament principle. Let, let's go there for a minute. But I've never heard anyone talk to me about tithing as a problem who isn't doing that. They're already only given two or three or four percent. I've never met anybody who's giving 15 percent who's like against it. Um, it's usually people who are struggling in their heart and they're trying to find a way to justify what they're doing or they're not doing and they're so, so we're going to, no, no, it's all his. So start your financials that way. Start with God is getting 100% of everything I make. Make your budget based on that. Make the house you live in based on that. Make the way you spend your stuff based on that. And you just watch and see, you'll have no problem with 10%. See, I think, and we believe, the elders here believe that 10% is a starting place for us of obedience. We believe that's where we start. And then we talk about generosity. Over and above, what has God allowed us to have? See, I don't believe that if you make, you know, $100 a week, you're supposed to write a check for $80 a week to the church. You've, you've got to pay your bills and you've got to um, take care of your family and you've got to, all of those things have to come out of your pay. But God's part comes first. You need to consider what is the responsibility I have and what's the generosity I have. Sue and I have been blessed to learn so much in this in our lives in the last little while to be able to do that and, and to support people in other things outside of the church. But we start with that tithe here and generosity here. We start there and then watch how God is blessing and allowing us to do things beyond what we ever could imagine. Don't think in minimums thinking it's all his. And for some in the room, it might mean, uh, you know what, we're overextended. We're beyond what really honors the Lord. We need to relook at our whole thing and we need to make sure it's right because uh, we couldn't be generous if we want to because everything is sucked up in the stuff that we thought was ours and it's not bringing any joy anyways. And we need to look at doing life differently. Be generous be generous. Why? It all belongs to God. We get a right vertical relationship. We get a right heart and a right passion for people. Then, Lord, take my time, take my talents, take my treasures, and use them for your, your kingdom. One more T. Has everything to do with your attitude. The T is tone. Generous with your time generous with your talent, generous with your treasure, and generous with your tone. Doing the right things with the right heart. It'd be easy to uh, do a message today and, you know, push people to serving or giving or, 
You gotta have a right heart with this. It's gotta come out of a heart because of a love for God. The serving that we do, the giving up, the surrendering we do has to come with the right heart, has to come with the right tone. It's not look at me, look what I've done. But rather, Lord, look at you, look what you've done, and I surrender as a result of all this. I'm going to do this with a a right tone for your honor and for your glory, that you might be lifted up, that Jesus Christ would be exalted, that he would be seen on the throne, that I would be seen as the servant who is lovingly relinquishing and letting go. Lots of people try to get out there and I'll give you some time. I'll give you some time. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can work the parking lot. Yeah, 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 I'll do that. Or yeah, I put my stinking offering on in the plate because yeah, yeah, yeah. Right tone. Let's make sure we have a right heart behind everything we do and doing it for the glory of God. Not because this surrender gets us a relationship with God but because of our relationship with God. Well, so what? So what? What what do we do with all this? Um, Just the other day on Facebook, um, Walking the Word put uh, this picture up. Interesting timing in light of our message for today. Everything you have, everything you are, everything you hope for, it's all the Lord's. Everything you have, everything you are, Everything you hope for, it's all the Lord's. How are we demonstrating generosity out of all that God has poured out on us? Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. Sue and I have been the recipients of generosity so many times in our lives. When, uh, when she had her accident, people came and they poured generously into our lives. When I busted my ankle, people poured generously into our lives. Um, it was amazing to watch how God did that. When we decided to put our kids into the Christian school, the first year we moved up to Muskoka, it was a commitment we made and we weren't sure how we were going to do it, but we believed it was the right thing to do and it was stretching for us and, and, and somebody who knew about our story, wrote a check and paid for the tuition for our kids for the whole first year. And nobody in this room will ever know who that is because I would never tell you. But out of generosity, out of a heart filled with, here's how the Lord has blessed us. How could we bless someone else? When I came uh, into Harvest and had my first um, interaction with Harvest to see some things about generosity from Harvest Bible Fellowship, and then to see what the Lord has allowed us to do as a church, like this building, given, given to us. Lots of people worked hard and paid a lot of money and did a lot of things, but we got it. We got it given to us, debt-free, three-quarters of a million dollars in the bank. Oh, my goodness, Lord. Generosity of what God did, poured out. Now, so how are we demonstrating that? How are we seeking to be generous in what God is in? How are we helping people who have need? The Lord's allowed us to do a church plant in Durham and begin a satellite or a campus church up in Newmarket because of God's goodness poured out on us. We need to be generous as a church and we're trying to model that and see that in Ployesh, Romania as well and other things that God's allowed us to do. But what about you? What's God laid on your heart this morning as you consider about generosity? Maybe it's your treasure. Maybe you've been thinking, 
hmm, yeah, maybe I can get to 10%. But you should be thinking, God has 100% of it. I love the person who said, um, they asked the question, do, do, I, do I tithe based on my gross or on my net? That's an indicator of the heart, by the way, right? That's an indicator of the heart. How little can I give to God and he'll be okay with me? Um, do you want God to bless on your gross or on your net? Right? It's all his. It's all his. So a little shameless advertisement for just a second. We have offering envelopes at the church. Uh, they're brown in color. And if you don't have them, there's some at the table, you can go out. And if God's laid on your heart, I need to be more faithful in this. I need to get to a place of faithfulness. Go and pick up a box of envelopes and start to use them and allow God to work in your heart in that. But it's not about money. It's about your treasure. It's about what you treasure in your stuff and in your time and in the gifts God has given to you. God, how will you use those things in my life, Lord? I've been blessed by so many things. How will I be a blessing to others? Because here's what I know for sure. You can't serve God and your stuff. You can't serve God and your stuff. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this word. Lord, this has been a difficult message. Probably 30 other messages I would rather preach today. But Lord, this is what you've led us to. And I believe it, and I believe it's right, and I'm not ashamed to preach it. I am honored that I get to. And Lord, you know the work you've done in my life and the growing I still have in these areas. I can be so blind to the needs around sometimes. And yet, Lord, you keep lavishly pouring out, lavishly pouring out. And it's all yours, God. How will I use it for your fame? How will I use it for your glory? How will I use it to lift up the name of Jesus Christ? 100% is yours. I'm a manager. I'm a steward. You are the king. I am the servant. In my time, in my talents, in my treasures, and in my tone. Lord, I give it to you. I give you my heart. I give all of it to you for your glory. Would that be the story of our church? Would that be the trademark of our lives? All for you and for your glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name.